podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Uh, it's Todd four thirty eight. Two games to review. I, I technically possibly three. So I think we played Oxford last week as well. I'm, I can't keep up with these games. Anyway, definitely Man City and Brentford to review on this as well. If we can squeeze Oxford in, we'll do that as well. Three games in one week. What's going on? It's a bumper pod. Uh, and joining me, we've got uh, Joe Walker. Joe, how you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Um, had a a, a mixed, a, both a busy and quiet bank holiday weekend. I, I went big early, which and I needed the other days to recover. But I'm, I'm just in time for Brentford. I, I was, I'm, I was up and alive again for that. But um, good, feeling better now. Yeah, much like Palace went big early, but needed to recover late on. Yeah, well, that yeah. doesn't really work anyway. Uh, Jesse Boyce <laughs> is also still here. J Dog, how you doing? First part of the season for you, I think. Yeah, good to be back. And first game, just like you last night. First game, I've been away in August. Um, so good to be back at the uh, cathedral last night. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just you can't beat a kind of warm evening under the lights, watching a worldie from Wilf. Yeah. And I'm sure then obviously we're downhill from there. So uh, look, that's it. Might as well just wrap it up there. Yeah, <laughs> that's about I, it. i got to say there was, um, I did think last night, the, the first five or ten minutes of the game, maybe longer, the upper tier of the Homesdale were had the sort of sun blindness that you'd usually associate with the Arthur Weight in the first half of a Saturday three o'clock. And I thought that cannot happen too many times in a season for them, if at all, because rarely is it actually still that sunny for an evening kickoff at midweek. I think maybe well, just you used that, to those... be there, J Dog. You used to be Upper Homesdale, didn't you? No, I was in row thirty of the lower Homesdale yeah. where the uh, HF are now. And to say, yeah, I don't know if it was that seven thirty rather than the forty five, but it just, I, I just thought it occurred to me. I've never seen that before, of uh, just shorts, shorts and t shirt for a, a Premier League game. Normally, that's like playoffs on a on a night game, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, well, I'm very much someone that commits to shorts and t shirts as long as possible, so I'll still be wearing the mid October, nice. um, even the slightest bit of sun. Uh, but yeah, I did commit to it at the week it, it, on Tuesday. And it was good to be good to be back. Actually, good to be back at Celeste. Um, delighted to say that I did buy a bottle of Diet Coke, and the Coke remain remains undefeated again. I'm sure people will be desperate to hear about that. Anyway, before we get on to all that, uh, let's do a, a drum roll for a random patron. It's Andrew Marsh. Hey, Hello, Andrew. Andrew. Uh, one of the uh, Palace supporters group who I'm sure people are aware are called Crystal Haggis. Great name. 
great name, uh, who came to see my Edinburgh show on the final day. So uh, thank you to, to those guys. And uh, it was politely requested that Andrew, as one of our older, oldest patrons, as in been around the longest, um, that he gets a shout out. Top bloke. They're all top blokes in the Crystal Haggis. And thank you to everyone that came to my Edinburgh show during my run. Uh, I had a lovely time up there. It's great to be back, but it was a great month. And uh, there were lots of FYP listeners and fans and patrons that popped up at nearly every show to say hello. So that was very nice indeed. Thank you so much if you came to support me um, at the Fringe. Appreciate it. Uh, right. Where do we start, Joe? <laughs> Should we start in Man City? Should we start at Brentford? Because it's... it's. Uh, do you know what? Actually, I'll tell you what. I'm going to combine both for you because obviously Brentford's fresher in our minds. Obviously the late goal has created some discourse online and, and post-match and on the uh, the post-match pod and this frustration about not holding on to leads. And, and to be fair, the city game again was two new up, went on to lose four, two, maybe not quite as frustrating as Brentford, given they are the best team in the league and currently five new up against Nottingham Forest um, as well. But, is this letting Leeds slip thing, and it happened earlier on in the season as well, uh, is this becoming a um, a big concern? I often think it's a psychological trend. It's it's Sometimes it will be symptomatic of tactical changes. Um, but I, I feel like once it becomes part of the conversation that, you know, oh, you don't win at home when this happens or or it's that, that kind of narrative starts to be established, I think it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. I felt like we did improve uh, after the sort of first half of the season. We got a bit, lot better at closing out games. At, but then, right, I think the Everton game seems to have just, uh, Goodison at the back end of last season, just seems to have lit that uh, nervousness again. I I found the post-match pod very interesting um, because I games like Man City away, I don't, you know, I don't really put that on. You know that could. I thought that could happen to anybody, and I think it's going to happen to a lot more teams. Uh, we weren't even the first team that I think City have come from behind to win from two goals behind very, in the last five or six games. So, you know, I can forgive that. It's just that very special circumstances over there. But you know, if we want to be a better team than we were last season, it was about turning these draws, home draws especially, into wins, and I just. You know, it didn't, we we didn't seem confident of, I don't know, I didn't have confidence in us closing that out after the changes were made. And I'm not against five at the back, but when you change to five at the back mid-match or in the closing stages, suddenly whoever's been marking these zones or this person for 75 minutes now has to write, no, no, it's you or somebody else. Just that added little bit of jeopardy that, can have well, you know, I'm not saying it's the cause of that goal. I think there's some individual mistakes in there as well as tactical at the back. But yeah, I I, I can imagine having had another one like that, it will start to get in players' heads as well as ours. I think you've got. To, I'm not confident with a one nil at the moment. No, I don't think we kept a clean sheet all season. Now, have we? I think we've conceded in in every game. Um, and I guess Jesse five at the back is becoming a bit of a theme now, isn't it? Um, as Joe says, makes more sense away at Liverpool, away at City, especially from the start. And it does make you think of last season when we went we got five at the back away at Arsenal. We certainly went very defensive against Arsenal. We went defensive against Brighton and and these leads were slipped. I mean, Joe's right, towards the second and second half of last season, the start of 2022, 
Vieira and his staff, they did seem to work it all out. We were able to close out games more. So maybe it feels like they're back there a little again, which I guess on you could flip it both ways. And on one way you could say, well, they'll put, they'll work it out again and we'll probably end up having a similar, you know, enter to last season. History suggests they can work it out. But I guess having already had a season like that, it's frustrating maybe that we're sort of back here again and maybe it doesn't feel like lessons have been learned. Yeah, a few, well, a few things to cover there, I guess. I, I've always felt like observing Vieira as a manager that he kind of based himself a bit on Wenger. Like he's very calm and softly spoken. Doesn't claim to have not seen things, but he <laughs> I can do zip up. Crucially, <laughs> crucially as well. And obviously all of his Premier League experience, 99% of it is under Wenger. So I always felt like he modeled himself a bit on Wenger. I don't know. It's really been talked about, but mm. there's always been that. So I was talking to an Arsenal friend of mine to say, did Wenger ever try and protect a lead? Cause I never, ever can remember him doing that. If anything, Arsenal were terrible at um, not protecting leads. They'd always look for that extra goal, keep trying to play pure football. And he said, no. So I'm just trying to wonder where it comes from. Um, maybe because he's built such an exciting squad of young players and he's just, he's slightly fearless in playing them. You know, he's didn't take too long to put Elise in the first team last year. Um, and it just feels like he's something happens where he just gets a bit too excited and makes sort of decisions trying to appear clever in the same way that I guess, well, not in the same way, but um, similar to the the bravado he showed uh, at Wembley by playing um, when he didn't have Gallagher. So he switched to play just five at the back for the first time there. Yeah. So it's, it's this five at the back's not really done a lot for him at Palace. Um, and then I think something that's quite brave as well is one of the, the strongest things we have had under him for the last 12 months is that centre-back partnership with Gay and Anderson. And it's quite brave of him to mess with that. And I just feel like they're struggling a little bit because if you look at, okay, Harlan is the best striker in the, in the world right now. He's banged in two hat-tricks in, in two games. Um, but two, two of his goals were splitting the centre-backs on Saturday. And that goal last night, just getting between the centre backs, and because there's three of them, and yeah. there's the, somehow balls are getting in between them, and there's a couple of free headers, one for Haaland and one last night. So I don't know if they played played it enough pre-season. Maybe it's going to take a bit longer for it to be solid, but it just feels like that was a brave thing to mess with because those two had such a was such an assured yeah, partnership, yeah, yeah. and maybe they had bigger gaps. To to pass to either side. Now they've got this extra man and it's Wardy who's um, not as mobile as, as maybe um, he could be. So I just feel like we're still adjusting to it. It's, it's still not quite working. Um, And I just think there's a few, I think last night he was rattled by Brentford making five subs and then just really slowed the game down. We started, there's nine subs last night and it just really slowed it down. I just think that gave them a chance to, impose themselves and as it's been documented on the pod last night and a lot today on twitter um we just took we just killed our momentum in the game we went elise was pegging them right back um and he just took off all of our outlets like okay Schlupp maybe isn't a 90 minute player for us these days but um you've got 20 23 22 23 year old players in the team for a reason they've got motors they could do it they could do 90 minutes and you need that outlet so the only outlet left on the pitch, um, as in can can move the ball up the pitch and take the pressure off, was Wilf. But he was isolated on his own, so he wasn't on the wing to receive it. And he just invited a lot more pressure 
from Brentford, a team who are well known for scoring late goals. So it's kind of the, the worst of, of of a few circumstances there. And it, it's, it just goes either. I think Chris Grierson said it to VR after the game, to be fair. He said, look, it's one of those where if if you protect the lead and it comes off, it was the right move. Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't work, it, it looks naive. And I think that's that was a fair comment. And I think um, Vieira said it felt like the right thing to do. And he's got stood by his guns. But I just think Brentford, being a team that likes to score late, shouldn't really invite any more attacks than necessary. They had two more chances to score after they scored. Yeah. 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 All, I mean, okay, all really good points now. I think the point about the youthfulness of the team is interesting and the manager, because we've always said in this podcast, young players make mistakes and that's part of growing and learning. And they're, they're, as Jerry said, probably were a few individual mistakes in there as well as the setup maybe for the goal. The goal, as you said, very similar to Haaland's uh, first goal against us at the weekend. I should say actually not Haaland. We've had a quick message here from a listener, a Palace fan called Jack Aubrey who says he'll get a mention for sure. So here's the tip. As a Norwegian st- speaker, A-A is pronounced O-R, or, and you don't say the D at the end of the word. So his name is pronounced, pronounced Haaland, not Haaland. So there we go. We'll see if we can keep that up for the rest of the pod. We'll, we'll, we'll probably forget. But thank you, Jack, for that insight. That's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, but what I thought was interesting, Joe, after the game, was that Vieira talked about, because Jesse's right about uh, Brentford scoring late goals. And, 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 you know they're no mugs. They've 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 proven themselves last season. I think this season they will probably do well again. Um, that he said something about we knew that Brentford were going to make these moves if they were in a situation where they were, they were losing. We we knew what they were going to do beforehand. So this five at the back thing was it wasn't like mid game they've gone oh god oh oh they brought on Visser okay let's go five at the back. This was almost a planned move that maybe even they were going to do at, at, at any point. So it wasn't a case of Vieira panicking. This is this is clearly sort of part of his game plan. Whether you think it was a good or a bad move, whether it worked or not, this is clearly something. So, you know, it's it's not like we're in panic mode, but it is cl- it clearly is something that is in Vieira's mindset a lot. And we'll, maybe as fans might have to get possibly get used to it for the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very start of the season, myself and some other people I go with were almost expecting across the summer for perhaps a five at the back or a three five two variation to be introduced because we just it just seemed like that was perhaps the direction we wanted to go in especially if we didn't have you know a Gallagher replacement coming in we were gonna right let's try and get Wolf a bit more further forward still scoring goals and it's sort of been kind of come in three four weeks into the season in terms of right it, it seems to be a, at least a more common go-to that we're doing now I think if Vieira came out and said, I haven't heard, I did see that quote about well, with the Chris Grierson clip, but I haven't watched the full interview. And but he's well within his right, given everything we've said. If he said, look, Brentford, Brentford score late goals, um, you know, I, anticipating that they might overload us with that and they're going to make lots of changes. I think the five subs this season, you know, it's going to be a test of depth. And I think for us, um, it tests our. I think that it makes the depth of our defence look quite favourable. But um, I've noticed now, you know, a, le- a game like that. Look, at least say first start of the season, he might not have ever been able to do the ninety. Whether or not he probably say he could, we don't know. I did think Schlupp had run his race. I, yeah. I, I think he had quite an interesting game. We might get to that later. But I felt it very exposed last night when we want to make those subs for those players, because we have the, we're the ability to, 
I think it exposed the lack of perhaps forward thinking midfielders or energy, uh, the additional, the alternative energy option in midfield, if you like, you know, with the discussions being had on here about Ishlup going to replace the energy that Gallagher had in a slightly different position in midfield. Mm. Uh, yes, no, that's still up for debate, but we also need one other and, you know, MacArthur's injured. Will Hughes uh, wasn't in the squad, so I presume injured. And it just left us a little exposed when, yeah. you know, you, you've taken off Eze and you've taken off Elise. I thought I was finally came on. But yeah, just in the middle, suddenly. I don't think if everybody's fit that it would be Luca that would have come on in that situation. That's not a, a knock on him necessarily. I think it would it was slightly asking a different job of him than the one he was trying to do. And yeah, it just, you know, I can see a manager's fears if you've got a conditioning coach in your ear saying, look, they've just brought on yeah, yeah. five players who are fresh legs. You've, you know, you're asking a lot of the back four, back five there. So maybe you do go, all right, let, let's just get, let's just get some, let me match that. Let me try and get some as, as, as full lungs on as possible. But yeah, it's almost like, you know, I think that's the kind of reactions I expect to see against the bigger sides that are going to have really strong depth on the bench. You know, a couple of those subs that came on for Brentford are good players, but I think you've got. I think you can back some of our starters there to just maybe maybe last a little bit longer in the midfield. Anyway, yeah, I think that's a really good, really good point about midfield. Um, and actually, I think last night maybe shone a light on. I mean, whether Gallagher's going to happen or not, what we've got 24 hours, who knows? I know that's been a rumour that's sort of come back in the last 24 hours or so. Um, and there's talk about right backs and, and strikers, but actually it did really expose that more midfield bodies are completely needed because in the first half, when they were fit and, and they carried the ball well, Schlupp carried it, they carried it, Decorey can carry it, Decorey's breaking up play. There was a lot of forward passes. You could see that works in the midfield, but you're right. When suddenly when Luca comes on, it's a, it's a different game. And, and I'd, I'd actually forgotten about James MacArthur. Completely right. I mean, a, you know, a great option in the middle who, who clearly we do need as well. So um, it's very easy to talk about bad subs and lack of game management, but maybe actually if the options aren't necessarily there to kind of do play the best system, then it's going to be difficult. And in fact, Jesse, I think I'll come back to your point here. We've got a, a listener called Patrick Stevens uh, who says... Um, is game management the latest phrase wannabe pundits want to throw out now they stop talking about going to the next level? I, I don't remember going to the next level, but but game management is now here apparently. Or is there such thing as game management? Almost every game is decided on the finest of margins and no one can dictate how that will play out. Tonight we hold out. They say it's a great game management. Brentford equalized is poor great game management. I think the phrase is BS. I mean, there, there are a lot of variables, aren't they? But I guess you can't quite deny the fact that towards the end, despite having really maybe not dominated, but being in control for large portions of the game, it was palace about hanging on. Yeah. Game management is, is a funny term that's been around for a little while, but I feel like it will become more talked about or used again with this, the five sub rule, because you're going to see more quote unquote game management. Um, and Vieira obviously wanted to react to the fact that Bournemouth had half the team with Brentford had half the team with fresh legs. So I think it will get a, it'll be repurposed a lot. Um, so that's a good observation already. Um, I, I I agree with what Joe just said about um, Luca, and he instantly got a yellow card. Yeah. Um, and he's not the player he used to be, sadly. Um, can't impose himself, and uh, he's just not shown any sort of self assurance that we associated him with. Um, but I would extend, I would add to what he said about the midfield too. 
the defence. I don't think we have the players to park the bus. Like, we don't have... Okay, Tompkins was the guy that came on when Vieira did this at Arsenal. It was his first ever minutes under under Vieira, and it didn't. That's when he surrendered the lead there to two two. But we don't have the likes of Delaney and Kelly and Dan and McCarthy and Jednak anymore. We don't have those players to put in front of the defence screen um, against against the kind of late assault. Yeah. So I just you know you associate Anderson and Gay with as being ball players who take the initiative. You don't see them back to goal flinging themselves in front of everything. They do it when they need to, but but not they don't invite it. So I just think there's a slight adjustment required there to make this five at the back work. Um, and I don't re- I know that Wardy's getting on a bit and he might have to sit inside rather than be flying up the wing. He did have a good game last night. And I thought that guy they put on the right wing, was it Abumo? Abumo, uh, yeah. I've not really remembered him uh, sticking out before, but he was there to test Wardy and Wardy stood up to it. I thought he did a great job of containing him because he looked dangerous. Um, but I just think it's it just did the combination of everything didn't look good in terms of, again, as we've said, a team that is renowned for, for finishing the game strong, looking for late goals, putting a makeshift team out there, kill, taking away our um, threats. It just all added up something a little bit ugly and it, it could have been, we really could have lost it. They, ben Mee hit the bar, didn't he, in the last yeah. couple of moments there. Uh, yeah, Rico Henry had a shot, a uh, well-saved by um, by Guaita as well. So yeah, it, it was very weird mm. in the final few minutes considering how the game had gone to be thinking, oh my God, we might lose this and that's really not a position that a team at home should be after being 1-0 up and, and, and fairly um, comfortable. Um, I suspect as well that if Chris Richards maybe had more game time or was fit, might might have been him in the back three alongside the other two rather than, than Wardy. And, and Wardy keeps keeps being this eternal stopgap, doesn't he, for us essentially and, and never seems to uh, never seems to sort of be told to step aside. So, and as you said, was very good at left back to be fair uh, last night. But uh, yeah, I think we'll possibly always have Joel Ward in the side. Never, seem, never seems to be sort of moved on, <laughs> despite them signing more defenders. So we'll see if Chris on, Richards gets involved more on a on a micro level, a micro micro level. What happened last night reminded me of um, City against Madrid in the Champions League when. Um, Pep put all five subs on and took all of his threats off the pitch. I mean, he had Grealish on, but he took off Sterling. He took off Mares, who scored a great goal, and then had to play extra time with a team that was put on there to park a bus. Yeah, it was like you just put these. Five, you've got to be careful with using five subs because you're putting you're taking the spectrum so far in the other direction that if it doesn't work, yeah, and you are up shit creep without a paddle. And as I say, on a micro level, it reminded me a, a bit of that. Yeah, fair point. And listen, let's take, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, with winners and losers um, in a bit. Just before we do that, here's a very palacy question or statement from uh, Shutter Diplomacy. Bonjour. Name on, uh, on Instagram. <laughs> Wouldn't Palace of oh. old... Was that sorry? Was it Chateau diplomacy or Chateau diplomacy? Because I think oh, I just <laughs> I wondered why you. <laughs> uh, I kind Shut of caught myself. Oh dear. <laughs> what did you say? Something. Something. I said bonjour. I don't know. Oh dear. Chateau diplomacy. I mean that that sounds like a sort of like a fancy sort of um travelist estate uh, travel agents of some sort. The book really bespoke trips to the south of yeah. France. Chateau diplomacy. Maybe we could call that this week's episode. 
diplomacy. Anyway, shutter diplomacy says, um, wouldn't Palace of Old have lost to Brentford and inexplicably drawn with City? Probably. So we may be where we would have been last season um, anyway. Um, but anyway, let's take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll pick some, this will be interesting, some winners and losers. This episode of the FYP podcast is brought to you by Green King, your home of pub sport, who also have a great offer for FYP listeners. If you can't get to Sellers Park on match days, a Green King pub is the place to be. With over 900 sports pubs across the country, Green King is where the fans go, showing every broadcast game for Palace, as well as every live sporting event from BT and Sky Sports on tap. And if you download the Green King season ticket app, you can receive a free drink when you register and 10% off a great range of drinks one hour before, during and after any match. Also, the app has a booking functionality to secure your table before you arrive and games with instant prices. Head to the App Store or Google Play and search Green King season ticket and download the app. When registering, if you use the promotional code FYP, all in caps, you'll get some additional offers added to your wallet. As a listener of the show, you'll get an additional £5 off when you spend 15 quid on drinks. That's Green King. It's where the fans go, your home of pub sport. Welcome back to the Puppy Plan Podcast. Hey. Welcome back to Chateau Diplomacy, the latest travel pod with the FYP podcast. Um, it's time for winners and losers, uh, which is our um, patron-only section now. So you, if you're on the patrons, you're going to hear our winners and losers. If you're not, you'll hear a clip from... Well, I might do a couple of the post-match pods. I might chuck a bit of Oxford in there, seeing as we haven't done Oxford on this episode yet, uh, and maybe a bit from uh, City as well. Uh, but if you fancy hearing our winners and losers and extended post-match pods every week, every game, I should say, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash FYP podcast to get all sorts of extra content at a range of prices. Uh, but anyway, let's make the switch now. And the second thing is, I think our man of the match, by an absolute country mile, was Chet Decoring, yeah. who was absolutely super. From the first minute, the timing of some of those blocks in the middle and those tackles yeah. were absolutely superb. As J.D. Senior said to me during the game, he uses the ball well. So he's not just an enforcer. He uses it. He can carry it. A number of times he was sprinting over halfway line, carrying that ball 10, 15, 20 yards up the pitch. The guy has Making it all. Chance for Schluppy. In the first half, didn't he? He, he, he carried the ball about 30 yards and slipped sluppy through. He created the chance for Wilf, ultimately, with the... I think he got yeah. the assist for Yeah, he got the assist well. for Wilf. Um, yeah. yeah, Decore was outstanding. I thought he was excellent. As a second half, much better. First half, a little bit too passive. Um, Schlupp, I'm just not convinced. I kind of feel like if Palace sign a midfielder, it's to, it will be to to replace Schluppy or at least to kind of take you know to, 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 to provide some competition in that position we desperately need it we're, we're missing someone in that midfield and it's not Luca. <laughs> I thought Luca was awful when he came on oh yeah but, he does, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm a Luca. I'm a Luca fan I, I, I stand up for what Luca does a lot of the time I think he doesn't get the credit but I thought he was pretty poor he met, I think his first two two incidents he barely he didn't touch the ball first two incidents he I think he misplayed he, he misplaced the pass and then committed a foul which gave Brentford a decent free kick. I'm trying, I'm trying to put a positive Sorry, spin positive on things. Spin. Wolf's goal was yeah. the kind of magic that was going to unlock that game. 
it, yeah. it, it just was. It's a lovely goal. The way that he took that touch, he just you see the slow motion replay, he caressed the ball and then just just stroked it into that top corner. Yeah, we know that he loves that little cut inside um, sort of whip into the far corner. He's done it before. What I thought was special about the one tonight was he's done it with almost no backlift, with about three men bearing down on him. I mean, we know when he gets a bit of time and space, the Norwich goal last season, Watford last season, you know, with a bit of time on the ball, he can really pick his spot. I think to do it under pressure like that was absolutely superb. I mean, Wilf is having... Um, oh, you burped him for a second. Someone's thrown in there, can't. Um, Wilf is having the se- I mean, so far, only five games in. An, an unbelievably good season. I mean, he's still our talisman. He's still the guy that makes things happen for us. Um, I hope that throughout the season, we end up being like last season, where more people chip in with stuff. It does feel a bit a bit at the start of the season that, again, we're sort of relying on Wilf's magic. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't complain about a goal like that. It's absolutely superb. What? Yeah. What were your thoughts on uh, Elise, John? Oh, as you know, I, I always say he's worth the, the entrance money on his own. I thought he was a bit quiet. I thought their fullback was very good at not giving him space. So he didn't, didn't get that many opportunities. But then again, in the first half, we noticed that uh, sort of three of the opportunities we got were actually would have been assists from him. Yeah. And again, in the second half, that lovely... Uh, shot which came off the post yeah. so even when he's quiet he can still be so effective well and also you notice as well a couple of times here he, he did track back to, um, oh, yeah, to one right down by the corner by the white horse do you remember when we were coming someone said to us oh, they've got the, the, the team completely messed about and they've got Lisa at left back yeah. Well, actually, he did so much good defensive work, you thought, well, maybe that wasn't such a bad idea after all. Yeah, yeah one of the BBC apps or something had him at left back and there's it up top. Yeah, as these apps constantly get the line up strong. But the loss of Tyrick Mitchell was absolutely mm. catastrophic in the, in the grand scheme of things because he'd done pretty well in the first half against Mares. Okay, on the goal, you know, he's gone inside him, but. If you're Tyrick Mitchell, you're not too worried about that. Uh, I think it was Silver went inside him, but he's going across the box with the ball, yeah. and and you're you're thinking, okay, that's all right because he's going to go into traffic and come in the bodies. And when he scored, I've sort of looked and thought, oh, Vicente should save that. That looks a bit soft. It's yeah. all gone in, and then I've seen. The replay and realised it's gone through Jeffrey Slap's legs, I think it was, and had a little deflection and stuff. So, you know, you you understood how it ended up going in at that point. But up until him leaving the field, I thought we managed it reasonably well. But I thought the defensive reshuffle was a disaster. And I mean, yeah. and when I say a disaster, I'm going to go back to the conversation I had with you on the way home from Oxford the other night about the square pegs in square holes mm. and the round pegs in round holes. Now, when I knew I knew the team, uh, or I was made aware of it yesterday, and I, my immediate response was, why would you play Wardy in the back three instead of Chris Richards when they've got Erling Haaland, who's a great physical specimen, and he's going to smash people around. So let's at least match him up physically, you know, in that situation. So I thought, OK, we lost we lost um, uh, Tyrick Mitchell, so what do we do? So for me, you either put 
Jeffrey Schlupp at left back and do that and have his athleticism. You put my my thought would have been put Kleine to left back, Wardy to right back, and put Chris Richards in the back three, and and let's try and deal with them physically uh, at least. And I, that's my big regret, if you like, in the in the afternoon because. You know, seeing how the fourth goal was scored, how Wardy was sort of brushed off it by, and don't get me wrong, it was difficult, but mm. he sort of literally used his physicality to put him on his arse and, and end up beating uh, Vicente with ease. I just thought it was wrong because all of a sudden, down that, down that right-hand side, okay, it was Bernardo Silva that was causing most of the problems by that point, but you know, we'd actually managed pretty well. I mean, we managed to restrict them even in the first half. The Manchester had a lot of pressure. I think it was Foden or somebody that headed one over just yeah. before half time. But that was really their clearest chance. I wasn't like B was flying around making saves or any of that stuff. It wasn't. He was very good, like leaving the line and catching, claiming balls and catching crosses and so on. But in terms of the actual shots on our goal, it wasn't a half of terror that perhaps you might have, have yeah. thought. And I was, and I looked at their bench, Rob, at half time, and I was actually thinking they haven't got that much on there today that they mm. can change this up with too bad, too much, really. You know, I think we've got you know a good grip on this, and I knew. Of course, it would be very hard, especially if they scored the next goal and a and an early goal. But I thought we were the sort of architects of our own downfall in that respect, I, in terms of, of of the defensive reshuffle. I, I do think there is a, a, an issue in Palace's midfield in terms of, you know, I I I, I love what Eze does, and I I. I you can see everything that Decore does is great. And I think Schlupp at times has, has good spells, but I do feel like there's an element of, especially when you, when it's, when it comes up against big sides at a proper, you know, top sides like Liverpool, even Arsenal, I don't, I don't, I still, I know Arsenal have won four games in a row, but they've had one of the easiest starts. I think any premier league side has ever had. So we'll, we'll kind of ignore that a little bit, but, but, um, you know, up against Liverpool as well, that that midfield just lacks a little bit of maybe tenacity or ingenuity or some kind of drive that that kind of makes it a bit more cohesive. And I think, you know, I th- I think that to me that would be a priority in the next few days before before the transfer window closes. I think they need to sign another midfielder, and I think it would it probably would be Schlupp that comes out of that. Um, although again, it's all about rotation, but again, but today we gave so much ground to Man City, but the thing that I would say as well in, in Man City's case is they're so, so good, not just at, at keeping the ball, but in terms of just recycling it, taking it, basically regaining possession, moving it around, finding these pockets. And they did the minute that they scored the first, it was almost like they worked out the secret code to, to palaces, to palaces, goal scoring prevention and just kind of just repeated over and over again, the same things, which was kind of bring it out wide, drive into the middle, bring it out wide, do this, you know, and, and, and Silver's 
run from the wing kind of was a bit like Diaz's for Liverpool. You know, almost that that with the three at the back, we're not always entirely sure whose responsibility it is to actually track that man. And the end result is that Bernardo Silva ended up having that kind of almost a clear run and, and, and it opening up for him to take a shot. And that's partly because of that slight disorganization in defense. Um, but you're right. I think the defensive side of things, it wasn't great. Mitchell, Mitchell going off was a massive problem for us. And it highlights the fact we don't have another left back at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's really apparent. And we kind of go, Oh, we'll play him or we'll play him there. I don't think you should do that. I think as a premier mm. league football club, you should have, two left-backs, and, you know, people, uh, one, somebody said to me on the way back, well, we shouldn't have let Teo go to uh, Coventry. Teo's not even making the bench at Coventry City at the moment. Yeah. He's not in the side. So it's clearly too soon for him, even at championship level. Wow. Now, I I think you do need another another left-back to, to cover it because otherwise it's gyro. Gyro seems to be out of the picture, and I think it's extremely likely that he won't be a Crystal Palace player come next Friday once the transfer window's closed. He's not been any of the recent squads, and I don't think he's injured. So no, he's, he's, not, he's not injured. Yeah, no. he, he's definitely no. not injured. So I, I'm reading that as Patrick Vieira sending him a message, basically, to say... I'm naming two goalkeepers on the bench rather than using you, which yeah. I think might be rather telling, you know. But I think you, you do need you do need that that cover. Um, and I just felt I felt a bit sorry for Chris Richards because, you know, people said to me, "Oh, he struggled and all that," but I don't. I'm not sure he looks too big anyway to be a sort of fullback. Yeah, and it goes back to. Again, the conversation we had after the Aston Villa game. And so it just tries to, I think it underlines that I tried to be fair and and, and analytical, win, lose or draw. Mm. Because one of the things I said to you, and I think you've just touched on it again there, we're not big enough as a side physically. You mm. know, we're not a big side. And you look at City today, They've got some real specimens on their team. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, it's one thing that they're super talented. It's also another thing that they've got size and physicality and presence on the field, you know, and I I think we're maybe missing. I mean, check the core. I said last week, he's a, I think, a good player, but he's not got the physical presence of Czech Cuyate in terms of his actual size and his, his demeanour and all that sort of stuff. He's he's a much nicer footballer than him, but he's not he's not six foot four and uh, and a bit of a giant among uh, among men, is he? Yeah. What we're doing now, losers or musty betters, Jesse? Have you got anyone in terms of musty betters or losers uh, from the last couple of games? Um, it's more around off the pitch stuff, but I would say. There's a big loser in whoever decided on 7.30 kickoffs. <laughs> I think that's not cool. It's especially in London when people are struggling to get out of work, get to the game. Just there was queues last night because, you know, it's still early in the season. People were back in the groove of going to the ground, let alone the kickoffs half an hour earlier than it should have been. 
And added to that, it's a little bit of ticket chaos. You know, there's older guys um, who might not know the inside out of their phone and the app, just looking completely lost at their phone. Tickets not working. Um, and I, I tend to pick up reprints of tickets because I've always, um, there's a group of us that, that share tickets and, um, at the, at the reprint stations, which I'm pleased to say they still have, although there's only two this year, not three, the one on the Homestale road is gone. There's just one at the top of the Homestale and one, um, by Sainsbury's. There's just, again, like older guys who don't, don't quite know. They're not completely tech savvy raging they're furious so they think they've got it and they're, they're late to the game as it is it's 7 30 and they can't get their tickets to work so still work to be done there on whatever the hell they're doing just trying to give people a nice match day experience for the kickoffs at a normal time and give people some, some proper tickets yeah I, yeah this, this is something that's been rumbling on from last season and probably will continue to um so i sit with my my dad who is uh was 75 this week, actually, happy birthday, JD wow. Senior. As old as the Edinburgh Fringe and even more entertaining. Uh, so happy birthday to him. And he sits with his mate Leonard, who is 80. It's actually older than I realised. Watched, first watched Palace in 1947. I was telling us last night about Cam Burgess, which is not a player I think anyone I knew had seen alive. So anyway, so they're obviously older gents. Um, they both applied to the box office and got their season tickets sent as cards as old cards so if you are an older fan and you're struggling with a phone maybe you don't have a phone with nfc near field communication or it doesn't seem to work i don't know if the club will let, allow me to say this contact the box office and ask for a carded season ticket because that's what dad and leonard have done and they have no problems getting in so worth doing i will say also the added to the ticket thing is is the sharing of season tickets because i can't go to the man united game because it's my daughter's third birthday party, which I agreed to have on that day and completely forgot the May night game be moved to the Sunday. So I want my my mate Giles from the Blank Podcast would like to go. Huge Palace fan, doesn't have a season ticket. And I can't really work out how to get him the ticket. I think I've got to possibly pay the box office 10 quid for an e-ticket e or something. But I'm not even sure if that counts because I don't know if Giles has got to be a... Um, has Giles got to be a member? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. No, it's a confusing. it's confusing. So... Uh, and that, to me, feels like a real own goal because, in theory, you could have not only empty seats but also potential customers who might really enjoy going to a few games on mate season tickets and think, oh, I'll buy a ticket next season. But if I can't physically get into the game, that seems like a bad business decision but also just a shame. So, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with that because I don't think there's an answer, but it is, it is frustrating. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, again, I'm, this on the, I might actually make this part of the public Public one actually, because I've just realized this is only going to the patrons, but maybe more people need to hear that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, good choice. That's our winners and losers. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. If you didn't hear it, you're on the public feed, uh, but you want to hear who we chose for winners and losers. Um, sign up at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash FYP podcast for that and much more content. Uh, right, quick break when we come back. Transfer questions. Yeah. 
it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fucking Man Podcast. Hey. Uh, it's question time from our listeners. Uh, again, we've covered most of them, I would say, uh, in the first couple of parts. If you're listening on the public feed, we did talk about Chet DeCorey in the um, Winners and Losers. I won't say, I mean, it's pretty obvious where he ended up. But anyway, just in case you're wondering why we didn't talk about him uh, so far on the pod. Um, we're going to concentrate on transfers now because it is, well, 10 p.m. on Wednesday night. So we are, what, thir- 13 hours away, I think, from the window. Is that right from the window closing? It's 11 p.m. Thursday night. Am I right in that? I think so. God, I don't know. Anyway, we are close to the window closing. I have to admit, <laughs> each year I get less and less interested in, in deadline day. Um, 
But uh, rumours are flying around, of course, and, and I think we all agreed from part one, Palace do need some signings. So let's go through a few questions. Um, Andy Hopkins. Hello, Andy. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Are we still at least three players short of being a top half side? Joe, what would you say to that? And who would you say those players are or what sort of players? Oh, that's harsh. I, I, I do, I, from being a top half side, I think, Really, I, I think we almost could be a top half side now. Very obviously, t- just at the lower end, but for still, I think in terms of the players that I've, I've, we're calling for, I mean, there was a risk until I saw Mitchell on the bench uh, and then come on. I was worried that that was a sign we might need a left back as well, but it wouldn't obviously be a first choice. So I think really, for me, it's the two, you know, a, a goal scorer that's consistent up front. But they, you know, they don't come cheap. Part, I'm, part of me is quite surprised that obviously we we've got this model now of developing players. But I thought that might be where we utilise the loan system again. If we can't afford it, maybe we get a young young player on loan from uh, you know the annual Chelsea loan that has a player that's quite happy not you know having to work their way into the team rather than us. I think the money we do have which I'm still never quite sure how much money we've got left to spend. Um, I don't know if it will get spent on a out-and-out striker, Whether although we do need one. I just don't know if that's where we'd prioritise it ahead of other areas, like the midfielder This that we've been discussing. But those are the two areas for me, midfield and second to that, perhaps a striker. I, you know, I think if we were able to get a right back in, uh, you know, we have got some depth there, but obviously for for the way we want to play, perhaps moving forward, I'm into that. But I, I just maybe I'm too conditioned from the old days. I just I keep thinking, where's the money coming from? I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you know that's going to put us in a you know who's going to go as, as a result. It's it's interesting, but I, I think two or three interesting. You know, some of the forwards that we have been linked with tend not to be out and out strikers. They seem to be more. Of this, like you know, almost like the city, Man City style of where it's a uh, yeah. someone that can play wide or further forward, almost like in this Wolf mold. Now it's like we're trying to get two or three in that same mold that can all just exchange and move around at the front. So I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I'd be happy with a midfielder. I'm not expecting any more than that. Are there any Jesse? Any names that we have been linked with? I'm thinking of midfielders. Anthony, Anthony O Jones, 22. Um, hello, Anthony. Well, first of all, says has the Coke bottle lost its magic? No, Anthony. We we all agreed earlier. <laughs> it's still undefeated. The magic is still there. It can't lose its magic if it hasn't lost yet. Um, he also says, um, I think we're desperate for another central midfielder. What do you think we need before the transfer window closes? Are you in agreement with Joe about those kind of areas? And are there any names so far that has popped out? I know it's really hard because we're, none of us are in the know, and we're just going on sort of you know Twitter and paper speculation. Any names that have jumped out that you think? aside from Gallagher, that would that would suit us? I just think we were winging it a little bit in terms of goals, where the goal's coming from. I think we were, Gallagher got, what, eight Premier League goals last year? And with Wills on top of that, then you're knocking into 20 goals between them, 20-odd goals. It's a lot on Wills to expect him to score 20 for the first time because that's what you're asking at the moment. Mm. Um, there's no goals in midfield. Eze, hopefully, but I heard Darren Bent describe Eze today on radio as looks like he's playing in third gear. Like you just, you know that he's got it in him to just burst and beat a man and, and 
bury it in the corner. And it's, that's, he hasn't done that since coming back from injury. And we know, we hope that he's still got that in him. Um, and we need it. We need it. If, if, if he's taking Gallagher's starting place, that's kind of what we actually need from him. Added to that, we've, we've lost Benteke, who I know hasn't really offered much, but you've got to think that if you've got him off the wage bill and a striker's shirt available, you've got to think that we're looking to fill that shirt. Um, I just think it's a lot. On AU, who's only ever scored 14 goals for us, most of them in one season, over five, four or five years. Yeah. Mateta, who scored seven, half of them in the FA Cup. Um, and then Eduard, who's probably scored less than that. He's probably scored about six last year. Well, that's not enough from the three guys that uh, would be strike leading strikers. So there's work to be done. And if we don't do it tomorrow, you, you can see that it would be a huge priority in January if things aren't going great. So I just hope we don't get caught out there because it's going to look like we were a bit complacent. On, yeah. on that front uh, I, I guess in a way it just kind of shows how how lucky we were with, with Gallagher last season you know a player coming on alone making that sort of impact doesn't happen that often and he was so so good and actually it's it's in a way we're kind of victims of the success of that loan because it's going to be very hard to find the only player that can really match up to that again this season would be Conor Gallagher uh, you know Eze isn't the same kind of player very few players have the ability qualities of Gallagher in terms of the energy but also the final product as well so we're kind of in a sticky situation really well unless we can get Gallagher and there are these you know rumors yesterday of 27 million pound bid and which I'm sure won't be enough nowhere near enough um then we're kind of in a situation where we're not going to replicate that from last season so we either have to go down a different road or play a different way or hope that Eze can find his form again so it's 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 going to be frustrating I think whatever happens um yeah, you've got to think. You've got to think with Barkley. I know he was not favoured at all by Tuchel, but with Barkley, another midfielder going, and Kante injured, it seems very unlikely that they'd let Gallagher go right now. Um, so it's 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 a tricky one because you know what Palace are like. We usually get linked with a player, but we hold out to the last minute to get the best deal. And so we don't have to pay them wages over the summer. <laughs> like that's usually what happens, but it doesn't feel like there's any strong connections, especially to fill that Benteke shirt and his wages have been freed up. So um, it's a tricky one to navigate. I just, you just got to hope something surprising happens tomorrow. So yeah, fingers, cro- the, fingers crossed. I'm, li- I'm literally Googling, pal- Googling palace transfers and most of them are about Wilf potentially leaving, which we'll come on to in a second. But interesting point you were talking there, Joe, we haven't filled any of the loan. We are normally loan sharks in the loan market, and we haven't filled any yet. So, I guess, well, you hope maybe over the next day or so that'll be at least something they do to plug one of those gaps. But it's kind of rare for Palace not to have snapped up a loan player yet. Yeah, I, I think it's something to consider if it if it does come down to a money issue, where you know, especially the way some of the the transfers are structured now. Um, for example, obviously Barcelona is a bit of an exceptional case, but there are clubs out there that are struggling it's getting a lot harder now to offload those high earners that you don't want. And you're getting these structured deals where it's these loan to buyers. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if we find ourselves with an arrangement like that, where it might, it might not even be a young player. It might just be, you know, I think Chelsea, who a name we're going to keep coming up, I think in this little section for us, they're, um, they've been linked to a Bamiyang, but it's, they're talking it as a potential loan to buy because the, you know, just 
it's more about getting his wages off the off the uh, the Barcelona side as much as it is about getting any transfer fee. So whether we try and do something like that, I, mean, I guess we did it with Mateta, didn't we? So maybe that's something we might look into. But yeah, it's been suspicious that I've not not really even had a whisper of any type of type of deal like that in the press. Not that they get everything right, but there's you know there's usually some noise that that's got a half truth to it. Um, it's funny in amongst that, I just thought I'd check online as well. Chelsea have bid fifty million euros for an Ajax defensive midfielder, Edson Alvarez. Perhaps if that comes through, maybe that is to fill the Conte gap who's injured for X amount of time. But, you know, if it's one, you know, Gallagher's probably sweating. If it's if there's another one in there and they're still linked loosely with De Jong and players like that, then that might just be the ultimate kind of uh, spirit diminisher, if you like, where, you know, look, you, you might not get your opportunities that you want in time for the World Cup. Um, and I guess our, it seems like a lot of our, I'm sure we've got, contingency options but it seems like a lot of our plan at the moment is just let's just hope we can get him at his least confident give him a ring about 10 to 7 tomorrow and go come on come on look at what's in front of you you know and, and it's bad to say but he, you know he's had actually he's been quite unfortunate in his first couple of starts for Chelsea yeah. out of position plays in a, a big defeat at least not necessarily his fault but you know it doesn't look great and then get sent off in the first half in, in the Leicester game. And you think, you know, you could, you could quite easily, I think it was almost like it's a great timing to put in a bid suddenly, yeah. both at the, the valuation level at the club, perhaps with this maverick they've got in charge, who's seems to be playing a football a computer game, their new Chelsea owner. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the, the fear is that I wonder whether that gets mangled up with a, with a wolf bid and whether we're having to think business or heart over mind and all head over heart I, I don't at the moment those two transfer scenes have been kept quite apart thankfully i think one could happen without the other but it wouldn't shock me if that all gets messed up in the in each other in the next 24 hours let's talk about wilf then um although it'd be very palace wouldn't it sign gallagher and then he can't play for the first three uh Oh, it's only one game bad, not three games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because it happens every year. And again, there's, there's rumours with LinkedIn to Chelsea. If they do go for a Bamiyan, then I think that would maybe put the Wilf thing to bed, hopefully, which would be nice. Um, and I heard Jesse on the round. Oh, who's I talking to? Oh, I was talking to Dun- Duncan Annis, one of our um, one of our patrons, on the way to the game yesterday. And he was saying about the, you know, how do you feel about, we do get Gallagher, but Wilf's part of the deal. Or, or even some rumors about we get Gallagher on loan, but Wolf's part of the deal and money and stuff like that. Would, would you, let's just say it's a straight swap, Jesse, or maybe even a bit of money for Wolf as well. Would, would you do Wolf for Gallagher or is Wolf just too important? Um, I think he's just, he's earned, he's earned a free move. I, I was saying this to someone yesterday. I feel like he deserves to leave on a free because at the age he'll be, He's got more chance of getting a good move if there's no fee fee attached to it. Like he'll be able to pick at age thirty, he'll get a good Champions League club because there won't be a fee. Then they can just pay his a decent wage, and he'll, he'll get in, he'll get into a good team rather than us trying to command a fee in January or tomorrow. Um, I just feel like he's earned that it's sort of to leave with grace like that after the the sort of loyalty he's shown. You never know, though. I feel like he could still sign another contract <laughs> because he signed two or three more than I ever thought he would anyway. So yeah. um, it's interesting to watch. I mean, it is great to see that he is becoming the full package now. 
and he's just he's he's really just gonna he's been in good shapes say relatively injury free so you, you feel like he's still got a good few years to offer the high the highest level um just interesting to watch isn't it it's just really um just quite quite a story such a story and i've i've always it's for me it's always been this battle between him and ian wright for our greatest ever player and just you just what's in his favor now is it's just offered so much for so long um and if i think if he just break break into the 20 goal mark in the in the modern day premier league that is that is a huge way to go out so um I, i'd love to, i'd love to see him do that he is. I mean, if Jack was here, he would tell us where uh, Wilf is on the all-time Premier League list now. I believe he's up to number seventy something. I think she's still pretty mad that the Palace player is there. Um, it would always be quite unfair, though, Joe, wouldn't it? As Jesse says, like he he is now the finished product that we spend all this time watching and training him up, and then he gets to go and be the finished product for somebody else. Yeah. We almost seem a bit unfair. Yeah, I, it wouldn't shock me if there's been a kind of gentleman's agreement that says on your way next summer you know we'll we'll let you play your contract out we're not going to try and push you out to cash in with a year to go and and from the outside he's not you know there's definitely been previous instances where he's had a million changes of agent to try and find an engineer a move away um or engineer some interest which i think only really manifested in a couple of bids and i remember a buy and loan bid that was reported once years ago it was really bizarre um I just didn't look, couldn't see why we would ever accept that. Um, now, yeah, it's it's interesting because he's in incredible form, and really, it still makes him. Despite we were saying earlier, despite the changes to the squad, and we've got this almost like a succession plan in place with an Elise or yeah. and Malcolm Abouye, perhaps long term. But you know, he's still so valuable to us that to make it worth our while, we probably would still be asking for north of thirty million pounds and. I just think a lot of clubs outside the club, business-wise, might just be like, no, that doesn't make, you know, that's, we're not, that feels a bit like a, a rip-off and so be it. I mean, that's a stance I'm happy for the club to take. I don't think we're, we don't seem to have that cynical business model that where we, we need that money. So we might as well just swap it out, you know, get that money while you can and let Wolf go. I think he would really have to push for it. I think, it only seems to be really Chelsea. There was whispers of Arsenal. I, I, I don't know about that. But if the essentially if the Bermiang deal happens, then I think we've got we can take a deep breath. But uh, the only thing that made me, see, you know, I, I, I rest. I'm, a, I'm an anxious person. I, I look for reasons to be uh, uneasy. Um, so Port Abamian, I didn't realize was a victim of a, an armed robbery in in in, in Barcelona recently. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and it was reported today. His he might have an issue getting to Chelsea because he's had his jaw broken in that incident. So yeah. there's issues with flying and then there's like the medical and actually being out for X amount of weeks where Chelsea might just go, actually, no, weighing up the numbers and we need you now. Yeah. And I feel like if that fails to materialise, then I guess they would just turn towards Wilf. And that's where I start to get... That's where, that's <laughs> when I start to, you know, my seat gets a bit sweaty. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. And I should say, we also hope wish Aubameyang the best in his recovery. Yeah. That sounds like a horrendous, horrific. horrendous situation. Horrific, yeah. So, wish I, I think his, I did see his statement, his, his, his um, partner and children were threatened and stuff. So, horrible, horrible. So, I don't yeah. see that happening to anyone. So, wish him and his family all the best in his recovery. But we also hope that he joins Chelsea. So, yes. uh, good luck to him um, with everything. Uh, okay. Well, let's, I think we should round off 
stuff there, really, because uh, it's difficult for us to make predictions. And next week when we come back, we will know where Palace stand in terms of transfer. So hopefully we'll be talking about welcoming Connor back to Palace and Wolf staying. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm probably tempting fate there. Anyway, I think we'll round off questions there. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Um, we've got a preview of game in part four, which is Newcastle away. So we'll do that after this break. time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Welcome back to Fun Fun Podcast. Hey. Part four, pod 438, I think. Blimey, that's a lot of pods. Um, it's preview time, Newcastle away at the weekend. Uh, Newcastle, uh, frustratingly good uh, this season. Uh, they've lost tonight to Liverpool. I mean, I don't know if you're one of conspiracy theory guys, but uh, they've lost to a 98th minute winner for <laughs> Liverpool, who were 1-0 down for 60 minutes in the game. Uh, no, they weren't. Sorry, they were all down for about, about half an hour. Um, so there you go. Funny how that happens at Anfield quite a lot, doesn't it? But uh, there we go. But it, <laughs> it will, Jesse, be a tough game because Newcastle have started well this season. Um, Eddie Howe's done a good job for them. Their new boy, Isaac, or Isaac uh, scored tonight for them as well. So they are starting to make waves in the transfer window as well. So this won't, I mean, this won't be like going to Newcastle over the last couple of years when they were a bit lost. This will be a tricky game. Yeah, there's some smart buys happening there. Trippier was uh, an inspired sign. I think he played for Eddie Howe uh, at Burnley, Burnley. So there was yeah. a relationship there. Um, you know, we, just, we won La Liga there and they, they 
brought back a title winner and his his free kick. I'm sorry, he had a good free kick earlier. Like that's a great signing. Yeah. Um, underpriced in fantasy football too. Um, <laughs> agreed. I still haven't got him in, but yeah, agreed. No, same. Uh, <laughs> and then Isaac is similarly like I think he impressed in the Euros, didn't he? He sort of made a bit of a name for himself. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been on the radar or been rumoured to join one of the bigger clubs. Um, so they've done really well and they've not thrown crazy money around. Still a decent a decent budget of a couple hundred million, I think. They've spent already the new owners. But um, yeah, and we've got to play them in the bloody cup as well, haven't we? That's just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a real shame. Yeah, I don't really fancy playing them because they really gave Liverpool a game tonight and no one would have wanted to go to Anfield after a 9 nil win on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're holding their own. So... Yeah, I'd I'd take a point right now if I if uh, if I was honest. Yeah, I would too. I mean, Joe, where can Palace look to hurt Newcastle um, now at the weekend? I, I guess in terms of going back to part one as well, we'll, we'll it'll be interesting to see how Vieira sets up. But it might be five, it might be for everyone's moaning five at the back again, uh, which wouldn't be a huge shock. Um, but how do Palace go about getting something from this game? Because as Jesse says, it, it's uh, they are looking like a good team at the moment. I think I think we play with confidence, uh, and I think we have to treat them as as they are. You know, treat them as a threat. But from what I've seen, I think so. Sam Maximan's not playing this weekend. He's out for. He's been ruled out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Callum Wilson's a doubt. I don't think he's been ruled out completely, but he didn't play tonight. And the Bruno, the the big signing the midfield, yeah, he also didn't play tonight. So I don't know for the latter two how long they're out for. But I feel like if if those kind of key players are missing, you know, the, you know the the mysterious Almiron who always presses against us, he is still playing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we we should just kind of give it as good as we've got. I think we just I don't want five at the back there, but I do obviously treat them with respect. But I think we we have to be confident going to these places and, and giving it as good as they're going to bring it to us. I, I I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Even though the Brentford game would suggest otherwise, I, I do think if we allow ourselves to get in a bit of a firefight in terms of a, a team that's confident enough to come at us, I feel that we often play our best football against a team like this who, who will turn up and fancy beating us. I, I often think our best work comes against those because we're often on the break. Mm. We we would get a little bit more space for the attacking players, you know. And I, it's easier to frustrate the opposition and their fans when you've got our defense keeping the ball. And I, I I I don't know. I just think we've picked a good week to play them if there is such a thing. Uh, maybe I'm that's overconfident, but I I just like us to put our best foot forward against them and really really char quality. Speaking of forward then, Jesse, uh, we've got a question here from Finn Powell Freeman. Hi, Hi Finn. 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 Uh, I want, shall I go one word? Let's yeah. see if we can do it in one word. Who starts up top against Newcastle? What's their defence like? Put a uh, burn in there or... Yeah, Dan Burn. It's got to be Matesson, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, is Dan is Dan Burn a regular for them? I guess he probably is, isn't he? I think he's. I think he's. I think he's still growing. 
It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Cher plays. Oh, Cher didn't play tonight. The Cells played. Dan Byrne, Trippier, Matt Target, they, and Nick Pope in goal. They do have a fairly. I mean, that's a that's a decent back five yeah. of experienced Premier League players, actually. Plus, as you say, a La Liga title winner. Uh, whether Cher comes back in, I don't know why he wasn't playing. I know he's played earlier in the season. Um, yeah, that probably is Joe. Yeah, maybe it's a Mateta game, even though I really don't think he was very good on Tuesday at all. But w- what would you go with? I think I'd go with Mateta as well. You've, you've got, you think got Nick Pope in goal as well. You need, you need somebody to kind of just keep being, be a nuisance to him and not, not allow him to just claim balls from set pieces and, and stuff. I think it's set up for Mateta to just have a war against those guys that I think he's more than capable to handle himself in those situations. Whereas, you know, I think, I think we might've even started Edward at St. James's last season. And and I wouldn't say it it didn't work, but you know, I feel like when you, when we start Edward, it's very much a statement of, we're going to have to play one particular way. And we haven't really, there's not an alternative offered here. You know, although as having said that when he came on against Brentford, we started hitting it long to him, which has always been a a bugbear of mine, probably. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Mateta is set up for Saturday. I think it really does. Um, so just looking at their previous game, which was away at Wolves, they drew on all their centre-back pairing was was Cher um, and Sven Botman, who is also another big signing that I think they've brought in this summer. So they And Dan Berman's actually at left-back, which actually you'd be quite happy about against uh, Elise or, or I guess that would be Elise, yeah. wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have options across the bat. They are, they are really starting to make that... Uh, I'm going to be very careful politically here. Influx of money uh, start to go places, uh, Newcastle. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they line up. It will obviously be Trippier. And in fact, actually, it will obviously be Trippier right back. Trippier versus Zaha could be a very, very interesting battle yeah. indeed um, at the weekend. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but we'll see. What, well, yeah, hopefully Palace can, can, can bounce back from Saturday and uh, from Tuesday, sorry. Uh, and and have some sort of uh, interesting uh, response, and we'll see how Vieira goes formation wise. Uh, and we'll be back next week, of course, to review that. Uh, just the one game rather than the three. Although I don't think we even said the word Oxford on this week's pod, did we? So sorry, guys, but um, it was just too long ago. Uh, but there we go, um, lads. Thanks for joining me, Jesse. Great to have you back on first appearance of the season. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see you again uh, well, very soon. Hopefully. Pleasure as always. Good to see you guys. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a good result up in uh, Geordie Land. Indeed. When, so when is the, you got the the cup game? Is that soon then? It's not going. It's not next week, is it? Is it? No, it's in November. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I think. Of course, been one of these things. You know, you play you play someone in the league, and then you're playing the exact same fixture in the cup three days later. Yeah. But obviously, it's not going to be that. Um, but yeah, we will see. Joe, good to have you on again, bud, as ever. And uh, yeah, hope to see you again uh, as well. Oh, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to catch up with everyone and good to see you, Jesse, this season. Yeah, likewise. Uh, and thanks to our listeners as well. Thanks to our patrons, of course, your support, patron.com slash FYP podcast. We appreciate that. I hope you have a good rest of your week. The post-match pod, if you're on the patron, of course, will be uh, there mere hours after the final whistle um, at St. James's Park. And, and then the main pod, back next week to review that game. Until then, enjoy your week. Don't get too stressed during transfer deadline day. Just try and enjoy it for what it is. And we'll be back next week to obviously discuss whatever happens or didn't happen there. But until then, take care and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye.
Social Podcast Network.